The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. If you came to church this morning expecting a Valentine's Day sermon, I, and especially hearing that epistle lesson, I'm sure that's what you're expecting. I hate to disappoint you, <laughs> but maybe this is a relief to you. I'm not going to preach a Valentine's Day sermon this morning. There is something much more important, something much more interesting going on in our lessons this morning. Maybe you saw the theme that was traced through our lessons, a theme that has to do with seeing, with sight, with appearances. You know the saying all too well that appearances can be deceiving. You can't judge a book by its cover. Not all that glitters is gold. Appearances can be deceiving. And that is principally on account of the fact that sin has entered into the world. So think back to the Garden of Eden where Eve is considering eating that fruit that the serpent is trying to tempt her to eat and she listens to his words, she listens to his lies, and because she likes what he says, her eyes see what they want. She saw that the fruit, she saw that the fruit was good for eating and a delight to the eyes. The appearance of that fruit was deceiving. She had believed the lie. And, of course, you know everything that happened since. And even more now than at that moment, you cannot trust, you cannot trust appearances. Maybe you see this in your own lives, how often things that seem to be good are, in fact, evil. Or things that seem to be true turn out to be false. Or things that seem to be beautiful end up being quite ugly. Appearances can be deceiving. You heard it in our Old Testament lesson. Even Samuel, a prophet chosen by God, set apart for service among God's people, even Samuel was deceived by appearances. Here are the sons of Jesse, the oldest son, the tallest, the most ready, the most capable one, the one who looks most like a king. And what does God say to Samuel? This is not my king. I have rejected him. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. 
Man looks on outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. How true is that? I mean, we run into all kinds of trouble because we cannot see into hearts, but that does not stop us from making judgments based on outward appearances, does it? We tend to believe what we see when, in fact, we should believe what God says. We should look to what God says because we cannot see the truth. Appearances can be deceptive. Even the disciples in our gospel lesson, did you notice what happened? Jesus spoke to them as plain as day, telling them this is now the third time what was going to happen to him. He was going to go to Jerusalem, and he would be handed over to his enemies, and they would crucify him, and he would be buried, and on the third day he would rise. And how did the disciples hear it? They understood none of these things. Why? Because they were judging based on appearances. If you want to be a successful Messiah, you certainly cannot die. If you want to lead people, you cannot hand yourself over into the hands of your enemies and suffer. If you want to be successful, death, death is the wrong way to do it. They believed the appearances, and so the words of Jesus sounded hollow in their ears. They could not understand them. This is one thing that the blind man in our gospel lesson had going for him. So often, we know that appearances can be deceiving. We know that our eyes deceive us, but we don't really take it to heart. We don't really pay attention to that fact. The blind man, however, he could not escape it, could he? One thing the blind man had going for him is that he knew how blind he was. He never made knee-jerk assumptions about somebody based on their appearance, how they were dressed or how they looked. He never judged a book by its cover. He wasn't attracted by glittering things like gold. He was blind. He knew he was blind. He knew he needed something else beside, besides sight to show him the way. Imagine if he didn't know that he was blind. It'd be a pretty silly scenario, wouldn't it? This blind man, not knowing that he was blind, thinking that he could see, walking around as though he knew exactly where he would going, was going, stumbling about, falling into all kinds of danger, Least of all, would he have ever cried out for mercy. He would never have cried out for help if he didn't think that he was blind, if he didn't know that he was blind. And every time he stumbled and tripped, you would, if you saw him, you would scold him. Come on, man, you're blind. You need some help. You can't just walk about as though you're completely confident, as though you can see the way. You don't even know what obstacles are in your way. It is one thing that this blind man had going for him, which very few people do, is that he knew, he knew he was blind. And of course, we're talking about physical blindness in the case of this blind man, but he shows us something really important. If you're blind and you don't know it, you're going to get yourself into all kinds of trouble. Jesus has some harsh words throughout the Gospels for the Pharisees, for the Pharisees who are kind of the shining example of blindness, somebody who's blind that doesn't know they are blind. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, goes off on the Pharisees. You blind fools, he says to them. You're always looking at the wrong thing. He says, you think that the gold in the temple is so wonderful when it is the temple that makes the gold wonderful. You think that it is your sacrifices on the altar that are so wonderful when it is the altar that makes your sacrifices wonderful. He says, you give gifts of spices, mint and dill, when you overlook the more important things, the weightier matters like justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says to them, you strain out a gnat, a tiny little bug, while you're swallowing a camel. Why would you do that? <laughs> you're blind. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, he says, while the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Imagine what that's like. 
washing the dishes with your eyes closed. What are you going to do? You're going to scrub as hard as you can for the things you can feel, but you're going to miss. You're going to miss all the dirt on the inside, the stuff that is hidden, the stuff that needs to be scrubbed out. That blindness is devastating, but it's worst of all, worst of all, when we don't know that we are blind. The Pharisees did not know they were blind. One way to think about conversion, one way to think about coming to faith is receiving sight. That's why this is such a beautiful gospel lesson. Because here are the disciples who have not understood the plain words of Jesus. And then this episode happens where Jesus opens a blind man's eyes, a man who knew that all he needed, the one thing he needed, was the mercy of Jesus. He shows us what faith looks like. In fact, Jesus says these beautiful words to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. He knew what he needed because he knew that he was blind. You have received sight. That's what it means to hear the gospel. That's what it means to see the cross of Jesus, to see his blood poured out for you, and to trust that that blood covers all of your sins. In a world that is beset by darkness and deception and appearances that are not accurate, you have received clarity. And in a most surprising way, how could it be that the cross, the cross of Jesus, gives you clarity? How can that show you what's true and false, what's good and bad, what's ugly and beautiful? How can this ugly scene reveal anything about what is beautiful? The clarity that comes through the the cross, the sight that you have received out of your blindness, is about sin. You have seen how bad it is, how grave its consequences, that it requires death. You have seen what righteousness is, how good it is. Look at the righteousness of Jesus, how he gave his love to everyone indiscriminately, giving up his life. If you want to know what 1 Corinthians 13 means, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, you need to look at Jesus. He is the one who embodies love. He shows you what love looks like on the cross. You have received sight. Just think about all of the misunderstanding of love in our world, all of the saccharine, sweet, nasty views of love in our world that are all about receiving things for ourselves, about using other people for our own good. That is not what love is at all. We cannot see it. We cannot see what love is until we have seen Jesus. You see how severe the judgment of God is over sin, what the cost is for sin. But most of all, you see mercy something you could never have seen, something this world does not understand in the least. You could never have seen mercy unless you had seen the cross. How glorious it is, the steadfast love of God, which has never faded, which has never backed away, which was always, always there for you. He loved you in this way, that he gave up his son to die for you. St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we see in a mirror dimly. You have received sight. Your eyes have been opened by faith. You can see what is true and what is false, what is good and bad, what is beautiful in the cross of Jesus. And yet, because we are still in this life, still in the flesh, we see as though through a mirror dimly. And that's what I want you to come away from this sermon remembering. You have received sight. It is the most precious gift you could receive, what you receive by faith. You now know your way in a world that is lost, But unless our eyes continue to be fixed on Jesus, we also can wander away from that sight. 
We can wander away from what is true and good and beautiful. We can wander away from the mercy of God and again be deceived by appearances. So keep your eyes fixed on the cross. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross so that you can understand this world that you live in. So that you can see the difference between good and evil. If you want to know, if you want to remember what is good, if as a Christian you want to please God, you cannot look to what the world says. You cannot look to the good things that the world has to offer. In fact, even St. Paul says, look, if you were to give your life up for your neighbor, if you gave away all you had and delivered up your body to be burned and yet you did not have love, you were doing it for selfish reasons, you would have gained nothing. If you want to know what is good, you must look to Jesus. You cannot find it anywhere else. If you want to know how to understand the suffering that you experience in your life, you need to look to Jesus. If you want your eyes to be opened so that you are not wandering about in the darkness like a blind person, not knowing that they're blind, encountering suffering and not knowing how to deal with it, you must look to Jesus. In Jesus, you know where suffering comes from. It comes from sin. But more importantly, you know what it's for. Why did Jesus suffer on the cross? For your good, to give you life. Why do you suffer? You who trust in Jesus, you whose faith has made you well, why do you suffer? Because your Heavenly Father loves you, and He disciplines you as His beloved children. Keep your eyes fixed on the cross so that you can see the danger that surrounds you. Martin Luther has this beautiful line about the danger that surrounds Christians. He's talking about why we should go to the Lord's Supper as often as we can. He says, if only you knew, if only you could see how many flaming darts of the devil are always pointed at you. At every moment of your day, you would run to the Lord's Supper as fast as you can. Imagine that. If your eyes were opened to the devil and his hordes who are attacking you, always trying to steal your soul, if your eyes were opened to that, if you could see that, You'd be terrified, and you'd flee as often as you could to the Lord's Supper. If you want to see the danger that you're in, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He would not have done it. He would not have died on the cross for you if the danger was not so severe. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus so you can see the protection that you have. Yes, the devil and his demons are surrounding you, pointing their arrows at you, trying to destroy your faith, but you have also an angelic host, God's army, surrounding you at all times. There's this great story from 2 Kings where, I can never remember whether it's Elisha or Elijah, I think it's Elisha, where Elisha is with his servant in a city and they are besieged by an enemy army. And the servant looks out the window and he says, we're done for, Elisha. We can't survive this. Look at how many enemies there are out there. They're just going to wait until we starve, or if we try to escape, they're going to destroy us. Why are you so unafraid, the servant says to Elisha. And Elisha prays a prayer and asks that his servant's eyes could be opened. And when his eyes are opened, he looks out the window, and he sees that those who are for them, the army who is fighting for them, is greater than the enemy army. His eyes were opened, and he saw that God was for him. So who could be against him? He saw that the enemies were nothing in comparison with God's heavenly host fighting to protect them, to bring them peaceably, to peace and comfort, to bring them home. The same goes for you. If you want to know how safe you are, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you look anywhere else, if you look anywhere else, you will be deceived. 
and you won't even know it. And you'll wander about like a blind man who does not know he is blind. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We see as in a mirror dimly. It's a helpful thing to remember. Our eyes are still clouded in this world. All the more reason for us to keep them fixed on Jesus day in and day out. But at least you know it. Like that blind man, at least you know it. So you know what you need to do. You do exactly what that blind man did. They tried to shut him up. They said, pipe down. Jesus doesn't need anything to do with you. What did he do when they told him to pipe down? He cried out all the more. No, he says, I know what I need. I need the mercy of Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out with all his might because he is a blind man who knows that he is blind and he knows what he needs. Cry out to Jesus for mercy. Pray to him that, you would, that he would keep your eyes always fixed on him, that he would give you sight, that he would give you clarity to see his precious blood poured out for you, to see the promises of God fulfilled in the cross of Jesus, to see what is good and bad, to see what is beautiful and true, so that you can always cling to it. Call to Jesus for mercy. That is a prayer that he will never answer with a no. He will never answer it with a no. There are so many things we can ask for that we don't know what Jesus will say to us, whether he'll give it to us or not. But when you cry to Jesus for mercy, when you say, Jesus, give me sight so that I can see the truth, so that I can see your promises, he will answer that with a yes. He will not refuse any more than he refused this blind man. He will say, recover your sight. Your faith has saved you. And then all that's left is for you to follow him, glorifying God, just like that blind man did. Take your example from that blind man today and see, according to Jesus, keep your eyes fixed on the cross until that day when, as St. Paul tells us, we will see fully. Even as God has already given you every good thing in Jesus, one day you will see it complete. Look forward to that day. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.